Well, good morning. I want to begin this morning just uh, to let you know, and some of you are aware of this already, but we just received, I just received news yesterday of the passing of Bob Radke. Um, and some of you, uh, many of you will know uh, Bob and I own Radke. Uh, some of you who are newer to our church uh, don't know that history, but Bob and I own are pastors of this church uh, for, pastor a couple of this church for many, many years, and served here for about a dozen years and was uh, hugely instrumental in the uh, the church involvement here, as, especially as the congregation gathered here into this building and settled in here, and I know has impacted and shaped the lives of many of you. Um, and so just wanted to let you know that. Bob was uh, 86 uh, years old, uh, died of heart failure, and as you know, he's been struggling with that for uh, a lot of years. And uh, the funeral, as I understand it, is planning to be uh, down in Fresno next uh, Saturday, I don't have any other information about that, uh, but I understand that if you go online and look at the paper there, I think it's called the Fresno Bee, you'll be able to see uh, the obituary and there'll be further details there. It's probably the best way to find out about that if that is uh, something that you're looking for. So just uh, be aware uh, of that, and I wanted to just open in prayer and uh, just pray for my own and uh, their boys and their grandkids and so on. And so just join with me in prayer. Father, uh, we thank you uh, so much. Uh, for faithful leaders who lead and guide and shape us spiritually. And I just thank you for Bob and I own, and I thank you specifically for Bob and just the legacy of, of impact uh, that he has had here in the city and in this church. And Lord, I just thank you for a faithful servant like that, uh, who when we live in a, a time when it, it seems like many people do not finish well, how Bob finished the race well and who uh, lived a life of faith and passion and joy for you and for your kingdom. Uh, that was so significant, Lord. And so I just thank you uh, for that legacy within our church. And we just want to pray your comfort and your presence would be so evident to Ion. Uh, and also uh, their whole family, their boys, their grandkids. And God, just uh, comfort them, encourage them, walk alongside them during these days. And uh, may they know your joy and your favor, even in this time of grieving, we pray. And so we lift this up to you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I've had a number of people ask things, uh, or ask myself and even Lisa as well, just about how our time away was. We uh, have been away for a a little bit. Uh, Many of you will know that we had a unique uh, Christmas experience of being in Panama and uh, joining with Aner and Herlisa. And so I... There's not a lot of places to share, and I, won't, uh, I don't have home videos or anything like that for you, so you can relax uh, unless you're looking forward to that, and you can come over sometime. Um, but anyways, the uh, experience was tremendous, and, and we spent a number of days, first of all, at a resort, uh, at a really nice place at a, you know, whatever, four or five star, whatever you want to put at, and then we went from there to Yaviza for Christmas, which goes to about a zero star. Um, when it comes to accommodation, but when it comes to the people and the experience, it's a five-star plus. Uh, and it was just uh, an amazing uh, time with our family and all our girls there, and also with Aner and Herlisa and Curtis Bergen and Curtis Strauss, and just so uh, enjoyed that. They, they all send greetings back, and uh, Abdulio and Alina send greetings back to the church here, so I wanted to convey that to you. Uh, they are all doing well um, we had a tremendous time there, went on a, a, a boat ride up river on one of those uh, dugout wooden boats and went on a, a, swim, a swimming adventure on Christmas Day, so it was a really kind of different Christmas Day. We were really hot, really hot, and if you were here, you were not that, 
Uh, but anyways, it was just a great experience. And so thank you for just your encouragement, your interest, your prayers, and, and even just the freedom to be away. And I understand that the things around here at Christmas were incredible and, and just lots of great things happening, and we're so thankful for that. Um, last weekend then, away, uh, we were, we've been back for a while, but last weekend uh, we weren't here either because Lisa and I were up at Shekina Retreat Center with Chandra and Spencer and the, and the youth leaders, and we're invited to come up there and just to spend the weekend with them. And it, was, it too was just an amazing experience. And we, we were walking through the four discipleship spe- steps and, and uh, just unpacking those with our youth leaders and spending time praying together and uh, discipling one another, as is one of our uh, steps in discipleship. And it was just a tremendous time. And uh, again, just marveled at uh, the quality of young adults that we have and, and leaders that we have in this church who are, who are discipling our children and grandchildren, my children and your children and so on. And, and so just really significant time and just encourage you to continue to pray for our leaders and our pastors in that area as they as they lead in that uh, really significant and important area of ministry in that season of life. So we're in a series uh, right now called Fresh Encounters, as you know. Uh, we have a big ship behind us that you can't mistake, and I love that image. Uh, what a, an amazing uh, visual for us to think about. But the thing that we're trying to understand in this, in this series is this idea that God is in the business of fresh encounters, that God is in the business of doing new things, and that this metaphor of uh, the interaction between the wind and the sails is something that can help us maybe grab hold of this truth and to understand a little bit more of, of what God is desiring to do in our lives, wanting to do in our lives, and how is it that we engage with that. The wind being the work and the power of God through his Holy Spirit. And the sails and even the sailboat uh, being our lives. And how we might position ourselves for God to work through prayer. How we might position ourselves for God in his Holy Spirit to do increasingly more in our lives and to bring fresh encounters to us because we want that. We desire for that. I hope we do. To allow the Holy Spirit to do a new work uh, in us as a church. In us as individuals. And so the invitation in this series is to prepare the sails. To ready the ship uh, for a fresh encounter with God. And in many ways, it's kind of an ironic uh, metaphor, as I was thinking about that this week again, uh, because uh, we live on the prairies. Um, I'm a prairie boy. Uh, I grew up in the prairies, you know. And so the Pacific Ocean is only about, which way is west? It's only about 1,700 kilometers that way. Uh, the Atlantic Ocean is about 4,300 kilometers that way, just so you know. Uh, the Beaufort Sea is, I don't know how far, but it's even further uh, north. So we're kind of landlocked. So when you look at a ship like that in the image, it's like, I don't know if we have a lot of those around here, uh, but I'm just trusting that, you know, even though you're prairie people, we're prairie people, we can relate to this metaphor and understand it. You know, if you've got Discovery Channel, you've seen something about that. Uh, I don't think I saw a sailboat until I was a teenager, you know, so it's not something that's common to us, but yet it's a metaphor that I think we can understand and grab onto and, under, and help us understand of what the Spirit of God wants to do in our lives and how we can engage and position ourselves, position our lives in such a way that the Spirit of God can fill our sails and, and can bring fresh encounters in a, new, in a new way. So the question, I guess, that I'm starting with is this question of, do we believe this, that God is in the business of doing new things? We see that throughout Scripture. I 
Think of the prophet Isaiah who was speaking the words of God. God was speaking through him. And he said this in Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. He says, see, I am doing a new thing. And now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And I've always loved this text. And maybe you have too, of this promise, this hope, this looking ahead, this pointing to the character of God piece, of the fact that God is a God who does new things. God is a God who brings streams into the wasteland. When we feel that everything is dead and dry and that there is no life, that God can do something new. So here he's speaking to the people of Israel and he's, he's encouraging them with this in the drudgery of their lives and the things that they're going to. And he says, you need to remember the, the God that you serve, the God that you worship, that he's a God who is about new things. As we come into the New Testament, we uh, see a variety of similar expressions of that. Jesus told a parable about garments and wine. And he said in Luke chapter 5, verses 36 to 39, he, it says this, Jesus gave this illustration. He says, no one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For then the new garment would be ruined and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins, but no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. And what he's talking about here is he's, he's talking about this new kingdom. He's ushering in a new kingdom. And Jesus is teaching this, teaching them about the new kingdom of God and that you can't just take the new kingdom of God and sort of layer it over the old traditions of Judah and Judaism and the law of Moses. And he's teaching these people this. He says it's a new era. It's a time for new things. And so we have to be aware of that. And so I want us to understand and be encouraged by this and be challenged by this question of Do we believe this and do we want God to do new things in our lives? Do we expect that? So I have many questions that kind of swim around in my head related to this as I come into this series. How can we become more aware of God's Holy Spirit in our lives? How does that happen? How do we position ourselves in such a way to become more aware? Next week we'll be talking about attentive prayer and what does it mean to be attentive in that way? Do I actually believe that God can do a new thing in my life today? Do I believe that God can do a new thing in the church today? Or is that only a promise for the people of Israel and that only related to them and doesn't have any kind of merit or application into our lives today? Do we actually want God to do a new thing? Do we even want or desire a new or fresh encounter with the living God? And what role do I play in that? What role do I play in how, allowing God to work in new ways in my life? What role does prayer play? How, how is prayer positioning myself in such a way that God can work in a new way? And you see, the church in North America desperately needs fresh encounters with God. Our church needs fresh encounters with the living God. Our lives need that. One quote that I heard that is so, I've heard it a number of times and it struck me so often. And it says this, it says, Never in the history of the church have we been so extravagantly resourced with so little to show for it. That's a sobering judgment upon the church in the West, in North America. And I think is, is so true. And you can go to other parts of the world where they have so little and yet there is so much vibrancy and the Spirit of God is at work. And so I hope that this series is causing you to long for more 
and to pray for more of these fresh encounters with the living God. So today what I wanted to look at was these three possible descriptors of our prayer life. These three ways that we might think about or assess or just sort of analyze a bit of where our prayer prayer life is at. And the three descriptors being desperate, dependent, or dead. And to take a a bit of an honest assessment of things and say, okay, where are we at? What descriptor might sort of grab us today? And and even as I've been thinking again of this this morning, I'm not sure that we're going to get through everything today. So we might not get to all three of them, but we'll pick up whatever we don't get to next week. But I... I want us to think about expectations. Last week, I heard a, uh, a person talk about their father and a question that their father had often been asked of their marriage and how their marriage had been going for so long and they had a healthy marriage and people had asked their father, uh, you know, why is it or how is it that you were able to be married for such a long period of time? And, and this person indicated their father's answer was this. Well, what, what you need to do in that is that you need to set your expectations really low and your appreciation really high. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I don't know if that's a good way to approach marriage, but it's an interesting way to approach marriage. I think it might be a good way to approach it like a family vacation, you know. Set your expectations really low and your appreciation really high. Or maybe your job that you go to every week or maybe... A friendship even, you know, set your expectations really low and your appreciation really high. But, but I don't know, I wonder, is it, is it something that we should approach our expectations when it comes to encounters with God? I mean, I think increasing our appreciation is always good in any context. But is it fair or right or even safe to have high expectations in this area when it comes to the things of God? Do we trust in the power and the presence of God? Do we trust and long for the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit, the work of his Spirit in in our lives? Or or do we manage expectations? Do we keep them low so that we're not disappointed? And in a series like this, I'm I'm sure that for some of us and for some of you, you, you come to it and you're sort of guarded maybe, right? Maybe a little bit skeptical. I understand that. Or do we long for the fresh encounters? Do we want to, do we live with faith, willing to do whatever it takes? Do we even want God to shake things up in our life? Or do we just kind of like things to be comfortable? And is it safer to just sort of stay the course? You know, keep your head down, keep trudging, you know, live by that old adage, nobody moves, nobody gets hurt. And that same thing in our spiritual life as well too. Where, okay, if there's just not a whole lot of movement, not a whole lot of surprises, that's maybe just a good thing. Let's just keep kind of walking this out in a really safe way. I realize that a series on prayer is, is kind of like, uh, for some people anyways, it's, a, it's as exciting as, as teaching about the National Food Guide. You know, you need to eat your vegetables, right? Um, not exciting, but pretty important for the long haul when it comes to eating your vegetables, Right? to sustain life, to give strength. And prayer, too, I think, is really important. And without it soon, we will have no life. Sometimes it's mundane, sometimes it's special, but it's always essential. Charles Spurgeon was one of the great preachers of all ages, and he has even been called the Prince of Preachers, and he said this at one point in time. He said, I would rather teach one man to pray than ten to preach. I wonder what he was getting at at that. Speaking about the importance of prayer and the significance of it and 
even for somebody who had a gifting in preaching, of realizing that the important thing is to really understand and know how to pray. I've heard that from Eugene Peterson as I've read his books over the years as well too, a long-serving pastor who has written so many books and a spiritual mentor to so many, and he says, you know, the most significant thing for a pastor's role is to teach their people to pray. That challenges me. Yet it's why we're in this series, to understand it more, to practice it more, to walk into it more, to stretch ourselves. Andrew Murray said it this way, the man who mobilized the Christian church to pray will make the greatest contribution, contribution to the world evangelism in all of history. So if people are engaging and teaching the Christian church to pray, it'll make the greatest contribution more than anything else when it comes to evangelization, when it comes to proclaiming the gospel and seeing transformation happen in the lives of people. I think those are things that we hear said, we even say ourselves, but I, I challenge us to ask the question, do we believe that? Do we really believe that? Because I think if we believe that, it will change how we pray. If we believe that, it will change how we approach this. Another person, Anonymous, said, as long as there are tests, there will always be prayer in schools. Not quite as profound. Maybe helpful. So again, I'm asking this question, are we wanting fresh encounters? Believing in fresh encounters? Or does the realist in our life just kind of take over and say, you know, nothing will change and it's really not possible? Been down this road before. Don't think it'll make a difference. I want to encourage you to step out in faith as we walk through this this month. I want to encourage you to, to take some risks again, to try to approach it in new and different ways. Jesus said provocative things like this in John chapter 14, verse 12. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Talk about expectations. Talk about a startling promise. Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure and he's preparing them for that day when he will leave and that event that is coming that he knows and understands that they do not yet know and understand of the crucifixion and all that will come with that and the fact that he will resurrect himself, he will return to the Father and he's teaching them how to pray in the power of Jesus' name. And he says this provocative statement that that when you believe in me that you'll do not only these same works but that you'll do even greater works. And he's teaching them in this context in in the Gospel of John of of the the coming of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the difference that the Holy Spirit makes in an individual's lives and makes in the lives of the church as the church gathers to pray and to be the church. And he's saying that, you know what, It's, it's better actually that I leave so that the Spirit will come. And he says, he's saying that he will do even greater things through the church by his Holy Spirit. So that's what we long for. And yet, too often, instead of that one, this is the reality that sometimes we see and experience uh, in the church. And I'm drawn to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, where the writer of Hebrews is talking about spiritual maturity and talking about new, expecting these new things. And he says it this way. He says, There's, there is much more that we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Not that encouraging. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. It's quite an indictment, isn't it? It's quite a challenge to the mature believers and 
The writer of Hebrews is saying, you know what, we, we need to be moving on beyond some of these things. We need to be embracing some of these things and experiencing some of these things that Jesus was speaking about, about you will do even greater things than this. And yet it's this challenge to the church, you know, like don't, like, don't be spiritually dull and not listening to God. And, and don't be still just sort of sucking on baby food when, when God has greater things in store for you. And we need to step out. He says, don't be satisfied with stale things and baby's milk. And that comes out in, in so many ways. And sometimes in the North American church, we hear that complaint about not being fed when we should be able to feed ourselves when we've been in the church for so long. It's almost like the image that comes to my mind, it's like a teenager who goes to the fridge late at night or someone like me who goes to the fridge late at night, opens the fridge door and you kind of, you know, have this, you know, bright light come out in the darkness of the room and you're, you're hungry and you want to look at something and you look at this fully stocked fridge and, you know, you know this thing, you look at it and you go, like, there's nothing to eat in here, right? And what you really mean is that there is nothing readily prepared the way I like it, served on a hot plate, given to me on a reclining couch, under a blanket, with a fork so that I can just enjoy, Right? And yet, God has given us so much. God has given us the Spirit of God. We are so resourced as a church. We have so much opportunity. And yet we still go, oh man, I don't know if I'm being fed. I don't know if I, you know, I can grow in maturity because I'm not being fed by, like, really? Like, I think part of what Jesus is saying is we need to grow up as the church We need to learn to walk with the Spirit and position ourselves and our lives in such a way that the Spirit of God can move in a new way and in a fresh way that can change us and transform us and challenge us and help us to start experiencing those things that Jesus promised and he called the church to. These high expectations, not low expectations, but but high expectations of walking in faith and walking in the Spirit of God. So how do we adjust our lives to capture the wind? How do we allow the Spirit of God to fill our sails in, and feel His power? And what role does, does prayer play in this? I have a short little video clip I think we have that's just a minute long that just shows you a little bit about sailing, something I know nothing about. So this will help you understand it and help us to understand some of what it looks like at least. An individual prayer life that is focused too much on ourselves. And that has lots of different expressions. Even the, the idea that of, of God being disappointed in us, where we think that, oh, man, why would God want to meet with me? I mean, I'm just so disappointing. We beat ourselves up. And, and rather than seeing ourselves through the eyes of God and understanding who God is, we, again, the focus is too much on ourselves and God's disappointment in us rather than on who he is and what he has done. Or even the, the parts of our day that we give to God for times of prayer. Which again comes back to just being focused on ourselves. That, you know, what is the time of day that we are most creative, most alert, most awake, most productive? I mean, do we tie the portion of that to God in any way of actually spending time with communion with God and of reading His Word and in prayer? Or does all the best times of the day go to other things about ourselves or about our work or whatever and, and not to God Himself? I think guilt, though, is a lousy motivator. You know that. Guilt only works for a while, and then all of a sudden it drops off real fast because that doesn't last very long, because it too is focused on your failures, our failures. And I say that, and then you have a pastor like me preaching on prayer, and you're feeling like, oh, guilt, oh no, Bruce, what's he talking about? Yeah, what I don't want you to hear is guilt in this. What I want you to hear is 
that God wants a relationship with you, that the living Father wants to commune with you, wants to have conversations with you, wants to speak to you, and have you speak to him. And so when we focus only on ourselves and some of our inadequacies or our weaknesses and so on, it kills our prayer life rather than focusing on the relationship and the character of God. When it comes to corporate prayer, I think there are lots of things that can kill corporate prayer life. You know that. I just put down a couple just to get us thinking about it. Sometimes they're boring. Um, sometimes our corporate prayer is just, it's just boring stuff. And, and maybe we've just got into patterns. Maybe it's in a small group or it's in a corporate prayer setting of some sort that you're a part of. And, and sometimes we can come with our laundry lists and these, these questions that we ask. You know, the dreaded question comes out, so does anybody have anything to pray for? And everybody's looking at their phones and checking the scores and going, oh man, that's awkward. And then somebody kind of thinks, well, you know, and then maybe it's a distant relative that nobody knows that has an illness and you can pray for that or whatever. Sometimes that's what happens. Not that asking for prayer requests is a bad thing, but sometimes we get into these ruts and we don't guide our prayer times. And again, it's focused more on our own needs and our own things than it is on other things. And, and so if we just go into the patterns of just constantly writing things down in this long list and then having to go through the whole list, it can get tiresome. And then people go, okay, I don't know if this has life in it. So we need to change things up and we need to think differently and practice differently. Or what about on the other end of the spectrum? What about when, happy, when wacky things happen in prayer? Yeah, you've had that happen, you know. Some of you are those wacky people. And that's okay. You know, some people love that when wacky things happen. It's like a little bit too out there for some, but not sure what to do with it. But others, they love it. And maybe it's more in the form of a prophetic word or somebody says, you know what, this is the picture that I got or the impression that I got. Or they pray in a certain way that makes you uncomfortable and so on. And Paul talks about, he talks about order in the worship service. He talks about that in Corinthians and he's teaching them how to discern that and lead through that and guide through that. But Paul also says, he says, don't scoff at the prophetic. But he says, but test it and measure it. We need to find ways to lead through these kinds of things so that the corporate prayer times don't become an unsafe place or a place where we don't filter things with the primary filters of the glory of God and the will of God. What is it? Does this give glory to God? Does this align with the will of God? Does this line up with the word of God? And we need to guide through those things so that it doesn't kill our corporate prayer times. The last thing I'll just mention is maybe when there's more wind than prayer. Long-winded prayers that can go on and on. Maybe some who dominate prayer times. Maybe it's people who use big words or kind of articulate big theological kind of articulations in prayer time. Preach a whole sermon. Some of us pastors are guilty of doing that. Sometimes we talk more about prayer in our prayer times than we actually pray. So when we come together to gather corporately, we need to just dive into prayer. So I want us to think about some of these things that kill our prayer life. And because of our time, I'm going to leave the dependent prayer and the desperate prayer for next week. And we're going to pick up on this theme. But I want to encourage you to put on your calendar on September 20, or sorry, January 24th, next Sunday night. Brad already mentioned it, this, the prayer summit that we're going to have right here in this building. I would invite you out. I would like to promise to you that it won't be boring, wacky, or long-winded. And I trust that that will be the case. But we want to dive into prayer that is meaningful. Prayer that is passionate. We'll talk next week a little bit, like I said, about desperate prayer, about dependent prayer, about attentive prayer. And that God would lead us in this as a church. That we would not only discuss it together and study his word about it, but that we would engage in prayer with the living God.
and pray in that way. I'm going to invite the worship team if they would come up and I'm just going to conclude our time here in prayer. At the end of our service today, we're going to give you an opportunity to, to pray. And there'll be uh, people at the front here and there's uh, two tables up top there where you'll have an opportunity to go and to pray. And so I just want to let you know that, that if there is something that is on your heart here today that you want to just bring before the Lord together with somebody else to help you to pray, that we'll have that opportunity to do that at the end of the service. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your desire to do new things. Thank you, Lord, that you're in the business of that. And Lord, I pray that even this this metaphor of the wind and the sails might help us to understand more of what you want to do in our lives. And God, I pray that you would help us as a people as we go throughout this month that we would position ourselves and position our lives and ready ourselves in such a way that we are prepared for the work of your spirit in our lives, that we are inviting it, that we are longing for it, that we are seeking it. And Father, I pray that you would give us a fresh encounter of you. I pray that, Lord, for people that are here today that are struggling with staleness and deadness in their prayer life, with people here that are struggling with with desperate situations that they don't even know how to pray for. Lord, that we would be the church to one another, that we would pray for each other, and that we would uh, learn to pray in new ways through your word and praying scripture, as Pastor Harry talked about last week. And, And Lord, just engaging in you in new ways, in such a way that you could do a new work and have fresh encounters with us. We long for that, Lord, and we invite you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.